service. Volume.com is a free platform with live stream performances, concert broadcasts, and a video archive that includes performances by Brothers Osborne, Stone Temple Pilots, Dirks Bentley, Weezer, and more. Ace Frehley, lead guitar, shock me! This is my favorite part, but I feel like I should probably put the flanger on for it. Chris Shiflett, and this is Shred with Shifty. As always, we have a fantastic show, but today is particularly amazing because I'm interviewing my absolute number one guitar hero ever of all time, Ace Mother Fraley. And I am very excited about it. Very excited. Uh, before we get into that, don't forget you can always watch ad-free versions of this here show over on volume.com slash shifty. And not only ad-free versions of the show, but exclusive content that we don't post anywhere else. So get over there and there'll be some exclusive Ace Fraley content, exclusive Mike McCready content. Uh, who else? Um, uh, Alex Lifeson content, all the great guests we've had. We put stuff that you can't see anywhere else but over on volume.com. Um, and while you're at it, don't forget, if you're over in Ireland or the UK, I've got a spring tour at the end of March, and you need to go buy some tickets now, and you can get that over at chrisshifflettmusic.com, where you can probably get all kinds of things like t-shirts and record albums, but let's just focus on the tickets for the UK-Ireland tour. That's coming up in at the end of March. And as always, follow me on social media and record yourself playing today's guitar solo and every guitar solo. And make sure you tag us and we'll, uh, we'll review how you played it later. Right? And we'll give you a good, everybody gets a good review on Shred with Shifty. We don't, there's, we don't hate on anybody over here. Everybody, everybody gets a trophy. How about that? We're all getting trophies today. You know who gets the biggest trophy? The biggest trophy goes to Ace Frehley, no question. My number one guitar hero, biggest influence. The reason I play guitar uh, is because of this man, and I will never forget the day that my brother Scott brought home Kiss Originals. 
the repackaged version of the first few records. Uh, that must have been in like 1976 or something. We just fell in love with, with, with their music and their image. I was always drawn to Ace, and from that moment on, I just wanted to be a guitar player for the rest of my life. And today we're focusing on the guitar solo from Shock Me. We didn't really get like into like his origin story and all that too much, but I have uh, interviewed him before, so if you want to get all those details, I suggest you go back and listen to the Ace Frehley interview on my old podcast, Walking the Floor. Uh, right now, we, we cover a lot of stuff, a lot of gear, a lot of shroudage, a lot of everything you want to see. This is Ace Frehley on Shred with Shifty. I got the black beauty today. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Uh, is that an old one? Yeah, this is from the 70s. Nice. Nice. This is actually the next model I want to put out for Gibson. Oh, for real? Yeah. But, you know, it's all new people now that I don't know, and I have to get connected with them. So uh, hopefully it'll happen soon. But, you know. I, everybody loves this guitar. And I was the first guy to come up with putting cream covers over the pots and the toggle switch. Really? Everything's cream. Even the even the tuning pegs are cream. Is is that where you uh is that where you first started using the triple pickup Les Paul? Was it a was it an old Black Beauty that you had? I'm pretty sure I added the center pickup. And I just drilled it out with uh with drills and uh, a chisel, and I ended up putting this in. Yeah, but the the reality of the situation is, I don't know if I've ever told you, but I always disconnect the middle and the br uh, neck pickup because I only use the treble pickup. Ah. Plus, it makes it easier to put the smoke bomb in there if it's not on. Well... Not really. This is, I was <laughs> the top for that, but it, it's easier when I. Yeah, oh, I don't yeah. worry about another pickup being on because I always have that effect right there. Yeah, no, I, that's I I uh, I bit that from you long ago. That's that's how I set all my uh, all my Les Pauls. Just pretty much anything that has two pickups yeah. do the same thing. <laughs> I like, yeah, I was going to say, it's like we're communicating in guitar Morse code. Um, hey, let's, let's jump into it today. What do you remember about the day you recorded the guitar solo for Shock Me? What do you remember about that day in the studio? To be totally honest with you, the music was the easy part. I was really terrified to sing lead live, you know, because when I joined Kiss, you know, Paul, Gene, and Peter, you know, they pretty much dominated the lead vocals and I'd be singing background. So Shock Me was the first song that I was gonna ever sing lead on. And the guys kind of pushed me in that direction because they mm. felt I was ready. And the first time I sang lead in Shock Me was at Madison Square Garden. So uh, in front of 18,500 people, I'm, I'm doing my first lead vocal, but I, I pulled it off nicely. But uh, I don't remember that much about the solo or, you know, we recorded the, you know, the rhythm tracks and the bass drum, so on and so forth. But what I really remember is laying on my back 
in the studio with Eddie Kramer because I was so nervous. I told Eddie to lower the lights and I, I sang the lead vocal laying on my back. Really? Yeah. I was just shy about singing lead. You know, but once, you know, Shock Me became a successful song, you know, next thing you know, but, you know, by the time we did Dynasty, I was singing more songs than Gene. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, your solo record, too, where you handled all all, right. all of it. Have you heard the new album from, in its entirety? I have, yeah, 10,000 Volts. I, I, your publicist sent me a copy of it. It sounds great. Sounds, sounds, it's, it was interesting. I was going to ask you about that because production wise, it does, it's, you kind of hit that nice line of, of, it sounds like classic you and, and like modern at the same time, but it doesn't, it sounds like, um, oh, what's, what am I trying to say? Like, it doesn't sound over, like overly, uh, picked and tuned and, you know, made perfect. It sounds a little more like something that you would have done in like 1978, you know? Well, you know, I got to, for the first time, I used this mixer, Bruno. I forget his last name. I can't remember names. And But working with Steve Brown from Trickster was a godsend because he's an exceptional guitarist, engineer, songwriter, and singer. Mm. So he's singing most of the harmonies on the backgrounds, except mm. for Constantly Cute, which my fiance sings uh, the pre-chorus and the chorus. Yeah, she also sang on Lola on the Origins Volume 2 record. Uh, and uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what was, I mean, you mentioned Eddie Kramer, and I know he produced Love Gun that the song is on. What was he like to track with? I mean, legendary producer. Me and Eddie was super tight. Uh, Eddie, you know, Eddie was so knowledgeable that a lot of times when we finished the recording session, you know, everybody would leave the studio except me and I'd ask Eddie to stay an extra half an hour to an hour and explain how all this get all this shit works. The compressors, you know. Hmm. One thing he, he, you know, when you walk into a recording studio, you see this giant board and it's so intimidating if you don't know how to work it. Yes. And basically he said, all you have to do is memorize one strip and all the other ones do the exact same thing except for the master fader and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. And that made it a little less intimidating. So I, I, I had him teach me what every, uh, you know, the EQ, the compression, so on and so forth. You know, then, then we started, he started teaching me how to use outboard gear. You know, and I got racks of outboard gear here. And he also taught me great, great miking techniques. You hmm. know, almost all the solos he recorded with Kiss with me, he used uh, 57 and a ribbon mic. And he would blend the two sounds together. Would he get involved in, in how you would sort of build your solos? Well, he gave me ideas at times, but, you know, most of the times I would just... We'd make a slave reel, because back then it was... 24 tracks, so there was only a couple of tracks left for lead vocal, for lead guitar solo. So we'd hook up another 24-track studer, and then we'd have a slave reel. And I'd just go, you know, do five or six solos, and uh, we'd piece it together. 
just kind of like I do now with Pro Tools. But back then we had to cut tape. Right, the right. Place, the click of the mouse. Yeah, like would and would your bandmates be there? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, yeah, I, I never, uh, even when I did really great solos, I really never got praise from Paul and Gene. You huh. know, they, uh, they always underplayed my uh, abilities. You know, I, I can't remember one recording session where I did an amazing solo and, and they ran out and said, that's amazing, it's great, you know. It was always, okay, that's the one. Good take. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, really. It is what it is. Hey, do you remember the exact combination on this song of what guitar, what amp, and what pedals you were using for the Shock Me solo? Uh, pretty much straight. You know, most of my uh, solos are a Marshall amp, you know, on 10, and the volume all the way up, and it's always the bridge pickup. And right. A lot of my sounds come from the way I pick the string. You know, everybody can play my solos. But, you know, when you touch the string with your pick and your finger at the same time, you get harmonic. So, you know, I hold the pick very loosely, but I'm usually hitting the, the string with my pick and my thumb. There's kind of a signature thing you do, and there's some of it in this in the solo that. It's almost like, I think of it almost like a chicken picking kind of thing. Like, where did that come from? I forget, maybe it's like the Firehouse solo where there's like a. Like all that stuff. Where, where did that. I don't that... know where that came from. I just invented it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. It's on the um, first album, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's no uh, there's no country uh, guitar playing in your uh, in influences back there somewhere. Well, I've always listened to all, all different kinds of music. I love country music. I just uh, am blues based rock guitarist and love playing loud. So that's not that. In, you know, it doesn't yeah. really go that well with country music. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Was it a Les Paul that you played on Shock Me on the guitar solo? Do you remember which one? Uh, which album was that on? Love Gun. I was probably either this one or my Sunburst, Cherry Sunburst Custom. You know, I use Fenders in the studio, but I usually only use them for rhythm. Okay. You know? Like I'll track with a Les Paul and then sometimes I'll double the rhythm part with a Fender because it has a completely different harmonic range. Sure, and, sure. But, well, you know, when you hear a Fender and a Les Paul together, it sounds a lot thicker than yeah. if you use just two Les Pauls. I don't think I've ever seen a picture of you playing a Fender. What, hey, what Fenders not, do you play? That's not an original Ace Fairly strap. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's a knockoff. I wore it special for today. This is my favorite strap. Yeah, Look at Gene that. Gene said to me when I first started doing that, he goes, you better patent that. He goes, people <laughs> got to copy it. And lo and behold. Yeah, yeah. 
I'll, uh, yeah, I'll give you these. The, I'll give you Moody's number. You can uh, track him down for a royalty. <laughs> hey, it's good to see you again. Absolutely, man. It's been a few years. Well, you guys, are you guys on tour uh, this year? We are, yeah. We're kind of in the middle of like an album cycle. Um, so we're home now, but we're leaving in uh, like a week or something to go down to New Zealand. Gotcha. How about you? When are you hitting the road? Um, my uh, first shows are the end of January. And then uh, I know at the beginning of March, I'm doing the Monsters of Rock Cruise. I was oh, just right on, on the phone with Eddie Trunk, and he's gonna, he said he'd be announcing me uh, for the shows I do on the boat. And that's going to be a lot of fun. I love doing those. You know, and then we st- get a chance to stop at the Bahamas and uh, Ooh, nice. enjoy the warm blue water. And when, when does 10,000 Volts come out? What's the release date? Uh, it's slated to come out February 23rd in conjunction with the Cherry Medicine video. Ah. Well, prior to that happening, we're shooting Walking on the Moon. Uh, we're shooting the video on the 19th of this month, and I think it's coming out the 29th of this month. This, uh, on the record, the song, the whole, you're all tuned down a half step, but right now, for people watching, we are tuned down a whole step, so we're in D. Tuned down to D. Um, but, but your play shock me is in like the A position. So do you want to, uh, do you want to start, should we just start breaking down the solo now? You want to break down that first part for me that kind of kicks in over the five chord with that Chuck Berry kind of thing. some details on some of that stuff so when you first break into it you start way up high in that minor pentatonic box that i love i was i was slowing it down last night listening to it trying to figure out like kind of note for note what's on the record and it sounded to my ear like you were like doing something like is that is that right or are you bending or sliding yeah after that high thing I go right back to the low A. Yeah. 
I'm losing my thing. You want to play rhythm? Oh, sure. I, I, there, we might have a latency problem. I've never tried that before, but why not? Yeah. Yeah, it's better. So, I think I'm gonna screw you up if I'm playing because it's, it's we got there's like a latency internet thing going on. Oh, you got Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. So so you kind of slide up into that with a bend? See, I, I, I love that part. I wanted to ask you about that. When you, right before you go to those big overbends, there's that one little quick thing where you go, you're playing in the minor pentatonic, and then you go to a major pentatonic. Is that something you think about when you're doing it, or are you just doing it? You know, when you use musical terms, I look at you like you're, <laughs> yeah, you're a guitar teacher or something. I don't know dick about musical terms. You know, once I did a technical, I don't know if you ever seen it, but I did a technical instructional video, and I had to have a guy sitting off to the right to tell me what I was playing because I'm not a school musician. I don't know how to read music. I just play from my heart. Yeah, well, and, but you do... You yeah, do. I hear pentonic and platonic. <laughs> pentatonic and platonic. You're in the platonic scale. I like that. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So let's well let's let's kind of drill down on when you go back. Up, because I was listening to that and I had it like slowed down and was trying to get the phrasing, and I just never felt like I quite got it to what it like to what it is on the album. So are you sort of running up and bending into it? like when you're doing that thing up there? Are you is are are you like um? Sort I know. Well, you just said you 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 didn't take lessons or what you know like like. I don't want to come off like a guitar teacher here, but I'm just curious what you, uh, what if you're like picking every note when you're doing that, or if you're thinking about what your right hand's doing at all. Yeah, listen to what I'm doing, you hear harmonics. That's because I'm hitting the pick with my finger. Those are just pull-offs. 
I'm doing. <laughs> I, lo I, lo I love that last part because it's the lost art of the modulation. You just don't hear that that much anymore when it moves up to the B. I love that part. I love how you bring it back down to A, too. I was listening to the solo I did in uh, 100,000 years, and yeah. I have no idea where I got that stuff from. I mean, it was just such a crazy solo. Uh, back then, I was getting high. I'm sober now. <laughs> But, you know, sober for 17 years, you know, I still come up with good, interesting solos. But some of the solos I came up with, like Strange Ways and 100,000 Years, those were a little, you know, they were out there. Were you, were you on performance-enhancing drugs in the studio for, for those ones? Uh, yeah. You know what I used to, I'll be up. Totally on. Yeah, I've had I had a couple of beers before the show and maybe a couple of lines of blow. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't want to get wasted because I always had integrity and I always wanted to perform at my best. So, you know, I'd save the heavy partying until after the show when we got back to the hotel. Because I didn't want to, you know, fuck up. Sure. And if you look at most of my concert footage over the years... You know, I'm pretty spot on. Yeah, I'm a little sloppy, but, you know, listen to Paul's rhythm guitar work like. <laughs> hey, that's rock and roll. Sloppy's yeah. rock and roll. I didn't even know what those guys are doing now. I, I, I texted Paul and wished him a happy retirement. I said, God bless. I'll be praying for you. Because I don't know what the hell he's going to do with himself. Well, aren't they, uh, aren't they putting together like a hologram tour or something like that? I, I, those avatars, I don't think, are going to take the place of the real kiss live. Right. I mean, this was good. And Tommy's not a, Tommy's not a bad guitar player. He just doesn't have the swagger. He doesn't pick the way I do. He plays it more mechanically. And, you know, most people don't know the difference. But I do, and the hardcore guitar players know. I mean, it's, it's interesting listening to the solo and breaking it down at home last night and sitting down and working out the parts. Uh... I was really struck by that. I was like, every section, I was like, God, I ripped that off. I ripped that off. I, ri I throw that in every single lead I play. I mean, it's like, it's I, not like I didn't realize that you're my favorite guitar player and like the biggest influence on my guitar playing, but it was, it was, it was just kind of making me giggle from section to section. All the, every guitar solo I've probably ever played in my life. <laughs> I mean, it's just all of it, you know? It's well, funny. you know, I stole all that stuff. You know, people think I'm this originator. You know, so many people go, oh, I picked up guitar after I heard a live. Yeah. yeah. But that's all Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton. Sure. sure. Lee Townsend. Those yeah. are the guys that taught me how to play guitar. I didn't need a guitar teacher. I just copied every solo they, they wrote. I mean, that you know, that's how music works anyway. It's all... It's all influence and building on what people did before you. So, how are the rest of the guys in the band? 
Everybody's good. Yeah, everybody's good. My stepdaughter is a huge fan of the Foo Fighters. Oh, well, bring her. You got to come out to a show, man. Bring her out to a show. Uh, are you guys playing in the metropolitan area anytime soon? Uh, next summer. Next summer. All right. Well, if, I, if I'm, I'll probably be on the road as well. If you're home, you got to come out to the show. And if you come out to the show, you got to come play a song with us. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, we got we to make that happen. Can you guys do one of my songs, Getaway or something? Or? Um, I think before I was in the band in the very early days, I want to say they covered Ozone, maybe? I remember my daughter listening to that when she was about... I was in, I was in my uh, office and my daughter's bedroom was next door. And I heard her listening to it with her friends. And I go, oh, my God. You know, because I'm listening to my lyric. I'm the kind of guy who likes getting high. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> the best message for young kids. But uh, I don't write songs like that anymore. That's why when we were kids, all of our parents forbid us from listening to your records. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ace, do you remember the first lead guitar lick that you learned? Like the moment you went, I'm a lead guitar player. What was it? Well, you know, the believe it or not, the first band I was in was with my brother. And he was playing lead. I was playing rhythm. And we had uh, this bass player and I forget the drummer. Oh, yeah, the drummer was my friend Joey. But uh, we played a synagogue and then we played a couple of church dances. But, you know, in between those gigs, I was studying, you know, lead guitar like hours every day and it really got to the point where i just said charlie my brother it's time for me to take over lead and you play rhythm <laughs> and that didn't sit too well with him eventually i ended up uh replacing my brother and uh, he didn't have long hair i i you know to me <laughs> image was really important <laughs> sure. i made sure every guy that i hired for my you know Club bands all had long hair, and uh, yeah. I, when I when I was uh, twenty years old, I had hair down to here. I had a black T-shirt on with a snakeskin star, lemon yellow hot pants, and Vans on. I went to see Hendrix, Mountain, Steppenwolf on Randall's Island, and they didn't have laminates back then. So I, I, I saw that, you know, a lot of the bands would walk out of this gate and come watch the other bands out in the audience. You know, so I said, you know, I bet you I could just walk backstage and the guy would think I'm in one of the bands. And I did. And I was hanging out and talking with uh, John Kay and I forget who else I was talking to. But, you know, they would treat me like I was one of the guys in one of the bands until they realized I wasn't. Because you looked like, because you probably looked the part, right? I looked the part. Yeah. yeah I looked just like all, all of those guys. So uh, finally the road manager and production manager come up to me and they said, who are you? I said, I'm nobody. <laughs> they, said, they said, but can you do anything? I go, I can change guitar strings. I can set up drums you know, set up amps, you know, tune. They said, well, look, we're a little short-handed. Can, can you uh, go set up, uh, do a set, up, a set of drums with this roadie? And he was English, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I'm setting up the drum kit, 
Next thing you know, Mitch Mitchell walks over, and it's Mitch Mitchell's drum kit. Oh, my you know? God. So I, I was roading for Jimi Hendrix, you know, and, and he gave me a high five and said thanks. But no it's, way. That was like a dream come true because when I was 15, I'd walk around high school with the Jimi Hendrix Experience album under my arm. And I just used to stare at the front cover and the back cover. It was so uh, it's such it was such a cool look. Three guys with afros. Oh yeah. And the the, the front cover, you know, it was like a, uh, a one of those lenses that distort the look. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the songs were amazing. You learned a great lesson that day that if you just walk in and act like you belong there, nobody's going to question it, you know. I think that probably still works today. We probably shouldn't tell people that, but that's, yeah. So do you remember the first lick that you learned? Your first lead guitar lick? Not really. <laughs> oh, just make one up. Come on. <laughs> well, the first lick, I'm trying to think. When we recorded the first album, I'm trying to remember what, so what solo I did. Which song was the first song? Yeah, I remember Deuce. I remember that solo, you know, I still play it note for note. Uh, it could have been Deuce, it could have been Firehouse. Uh, what are some of the other songs on the first? <laughs> Strutter, could have been Strutter. Strutter, I remember Strutter. Yeah. One thing that really worked with me and Paul is he played the rhythm part down here and I would, on many occasions, play the octave of what he was playing. Ah. That made the band sound thicker. Yeah. Hey, what? when you walk into a guitar store, do you have like a guitar store, what I think of as a guitar store lick, when you pick up a guitar you've never played before and you want to put it through its paces? I have about 120 guitars. And, you know, my fiance's going, what the hell do you need so many guitars for? <laughs> and what happens is when I pick up a guitar I never played, a lot of times I write a song. So every time, like I got this old Strat upstairs that is completely bizarre. It has P90s in it. Whoa. It's blue and everything is tortoiseshell. Uh, it was a customized guitar that somebody made. I found it at a pawn shop for $125. It plays great, you know. It was refretted with like five or six millimeter frets, which I like because you can bite into the solo. Yeah. You know, I can't play those skinny little frets. <laughs> and I like high action. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I, you know. I'm and what, what, what gauge string do you play? I was using uh, 46 to 10, but I actually went back to using nines again. Ah. With Kiss, I, I did 9, 11, 16, 26, 36, 46. I used to use only ball strings. Okay. I got I to gotta come out with my own strings again. I, I've had a couple of different string manufacturers uh, sponsor me, but uh, I haven't done it for a while. You know, it's not that much money. But yeah. uh, I did get the cover of Guitar World that's coming out. Oh, really? Yeah, let me show you a picture of it. I had a good makeup girl. <laughs> <laughs> I would think by this time you'd be pretty adept at doing your own makeup. 
But I once fell asleep in Paris with my makeup on. I woke up and my eyes were swollen shut. <laughs> no because shit. Because the silver interacted with, um, you know, whatever. And I remember calling up Bill Coin and go, Bill, get over here right away. I'm blind. <laughs> and I couldn't see. Yeah. I imagine when you guys were touring in those days, would you have to just get makeup kind of out wherever you were and it would be different? And No, we got our makeup in, in, in some makeup house in Manhattan. Okay. And uh, we always had tons of it and we traveled with the same makeup. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, when I started out, it was just silver. Then I started to enhance my eyes and uh, then I started using blue eyeshadow. Yeah. And uh, that made my eyes come out more. They popped a little more. And, ah. But, you know, all of every, every, everybody's makeup changed a little over the years. Jeans sure. did, Peters did. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I remember Paul for a while had two things on his eyes. I don't know. Right, right. I, I mean, always thought... believe it or not, I'm going to tell you something that nobody knows, and Paul will not admit it. But when we were at the Daisy in that club where we were experimenting with our makeup, I mean, yeah. one night I came out with my whole face silver. <laughs> we didn't know what the fuck we were going to do. But right. Gene, was Gene was pretty pretty set on being the demon. I love science science fiction films, so I decided to become the spaceman. And, you know, I came up with those stars, you know, outlined in black. Yeah, yeah. Paul was wearing white face with red lipstick, and he had a circle around his eye, you know, like the dog from the Little Rascals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, after a show one night, I looked at him, and I said, Paul, you know, why don't you try like putting a, a star over your eye? And he did. And, you know, that was his makeup for the rest of his career. Oh. And, uh, but he'll never admit that I came up with it. Well, we got we got a scoop right here. I like it. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. Hey, I, I was listening uh, last night, not just to the studio version of Shock Me, but I was listening to the live version on Kiss Alive 2. And of course, live, you would go into that extended jam thing at the end and then go into your like guitar solo, guitar solo. And there's a moment towards the end of that where you start doing some like two-handed tapping stuff, it sounds like. And I've heard this debated for years by fans. Some people say... Eddie Van Halen stole that from you. Some people say you stole it from him. Uh, is it was it just a happy coincidence? Because obviously, you know, there's anytime something like a technique like that, there's a bunch of people out there kind of hitting on the same thing. But what's your take on that? Well, before Van Halen became famous, Gene discovered them. You're aware of that, sure. right? You know yeah. The story. yeah, 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 yeah. But all I can tell you is when I was doing my guitar solo at Madison Square Garden before they became famous, Eddie was down in the pit watching every fucking move I made. But, you know, I never picked with a... I did it with the pick. I didn't do it with my finger. Uh, but, you know, 
Eddie probably got some ideas from me, just like I got ideas from other guitar players. And but he perfected it. I sure. mean, there's no way I could play some of the solos that he pulled off. Where, like, where was that influence? Who were you sort of pulling that from? Who had you seen do that before? As far as I can remember, I think I just came up with it. And then, yeah. Would you uh, would you want to take some questions from the fans? I got a lot of fan questions today, and they get into Whatever into some yeah. into some details here. I mean, you mentioned a few people while we've been talking, but uh, Philip Riley asks, "Who was your guitar idol? Your our guitar idol? So who was your guitar idol?" Jimmy Page. Jeff Beck, I you know I'm I can't tell you how many times I listened to the first Beck record, and the first Led, Led Zeppelin one and Led Zeppelin two were kind of like Bibles for me. Mm. I mean I learned every song, every solo, even if I had to slow down the record. You know, the only problem with that is you know you had to, <laughs> you know, when you slow down a record, the pitch changes. Yeah. You know, today we have digital recording, so you can slow stuff down digitally, and it still maintains the same pitch. So that was a little tricky, but uh, that's a lot of times I had to do that to pick up Page solos and Beck solos. But uh, and Pete Townsend, I mean, nobody plays chords like Pete Townsend. He can play the same chord on a neck and. A dozen different positions. Yeah. Isn't there a little Pete Townsend in Shock Me? Oh, yeah. yeah. Can't explain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my generation was, uh, was, uh, blew me away when I really realized he was going. I'll try to put us down. All he's doing is hitting an open E. But that's like that's so much cooler than than like just that. Just gives it a little something, a little something. Yeah, each guitar player, you know, I've picked up a little something from. You know, Jim McCarty was a great guitarist. You know, yeah, when he played that solo in Devil with a Blue Dress on. Um, I'm trying to think. I remember, I memorized it at one point. How does that go? Oh, God, you got me. <laughs> oh, then he was in Cactus. Remember that song he did with Cactus called Long Tall Sally? Yeah. Uh, I got a lot of people asking about your uh, smoke bomb guitar. Um, and so Terry Baldwin says, could Ace show us the actual mechanics of the smoke, parts, uh, sparks and flames? Well, it was, a, it was a process that started when we kissed their first tour with, uh, Jesus Christ. Our first tour was in Canada with, uh, I can't remember the name of the group, but I met the guy on a Rock Legends cruise. And, you know, we were trading stories and I I, I, I was amazed. I was on, it's the first time I was ever on an airplane. <laughs> 
you know, flying to Canada with Kiss on our very first tour. And we, I got some fireworks there and I got some smoke bombs and I decided to put the smoke bombs, you know, uh, in, in the cavity in here and have the fuse come out and I lighted it with a cigarette lighter. Well, that looked cool because the smoke oozed out of the cracks. Mm. But, you know, after about a half a dozen shows, it ruined the pots, you know? Yeah. Potentiometers. So then, uh, you know, when we were getting ready to do another tour, I got together with an engineer and he ended up cutting out a hole in the back of my guitar and he... He uh, he had asbestos between the metal box and the wood, <laughs> so it wouldn't screw up the wood. And then he had a fake pickup here that would snap back. It was on a spring, mm. and it was controlled by uh, you know, one one of the things I didn't use. And then I used smoke bombs. So I started off with one smoke bomb, but sometimes it would fail because mm. I had a little squib inside the uh, fuse, you know, like they you use for those rockets. Oh, sure, yeah. Would, but I used to get the squibs, and sometimes, you know, that it would falter. So then I said to the engineer, let's do two smoke bombs so I have a backup. In case the first click doesn't work, the second click, I'll have the smoke bomb. But then I got greedy, when we were doing outdoor shows, I click one. Once the smoke started dying, I clicked the second one. So I'd have right. two bombs going. <laughs> and if you look at some of those old videos of me, I'm engulfed in smoke to the point where I got to run just so I can breathe. <laughs> but then, then about 10 years ago, when I started, you know, going out on my own, you know, fire marshals would give me a big problem with the smoke bombs. And you can't use it. So finally, I, I called up a friend of mine. He said, Germany makes these little fog machines. So I ran it out the back of a guitar and put in these little uh, fog machines. And it looked pretty cool. And it's what I use today. I use two fog machines, but it still isn't what I use. You know, it doesn't put out the same amount of smoke. I still use these gigantic smoke bombs. Yeah. Oh, that's wild that they can build a little teeny smoke machine. Who knew? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, Pat O'Connor asks about, and I somehow missed this back in the day, but he asks, whatever happened to your Washburn model? It was around for a few years and then disappeared. When I first got went solo and left Kiss, uh, Washburn got a hold of me and they offered me a big deal. They made a special guitar for me. They gave me a dozen fucking stacks of Washburn amps. And I said, you know, hey, free equipment. I love it. The guitar sounded like shit. Ah. <laughs> but I, 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 remember, I remember this vividly. Uh, I, I was headlining and we had, I think, the group, the Donnas or one of those female bands and they were using Marshall amps, and the chick had a Les Paul. And I said, shit, that's my sound. I can't get it out of this Washburn and these fucking Laney amps. Yeah, yeah, so I yeah. just, you know, replaced all the amps with Marshalls, broke off my deal with Washburn, and started playing Les Pauls again. And uh, that's the magic combination as far as I'm concerned for any hard rock guitarist. 
Well, somebody else asked about something that I had also never seen before, but said, um, asked about your uh, Greco. Is it Greco or Greco, you know, the Japanese brand? Um, did you have a signature guitar through them in the, like the late 70s? It was like a triple pickup Les Paul kind of thing? No. Well, not, you know, we went to, we were really big in Japan and we went to Japan two or three times with Kiss. I went there a couple of times as a solo artist. But, you know, they have guitars over there that we don't have. And I just bought a Flying V and a Greco and a, a Fake Explorer, which right. actually was the same guitar Eddie Van Halen used for a while. The Ibanez? It's not an Ibanez. It's, it's a Jap guitar. And it's, it looks, it's basically uh, a copy of a Gibson Explorer. Right. But the pickguard's white. So what I did with mine was I got this uh, cream-colored paint and I sprayed the pickguard cream because, you know, I like cream. Yeah, yeah. I like everything on my guitar cream. So I, everything was cream on that. And it didn't sound bad, but nothing sounds like a Les Paul. Well, how did the, how did the Greco Les Paul stack up to a Gibson Les Paul? You know, I don't think I've ever owned a Greco Les Paul. Oh, for real? Okay, well, then this person had misinformation. I mean, I, I can't say 100%, but I don't remember ever having a Greco Les Paul. I had a double cutaway Greco that was kind of like a Les Paul. Um, like I said, I had the Explorer. I had a Flying V, but I didn't really use it much because Paul was using a Flying V at the time. Right. So it uh, didn't make any sense. All right, Sam Jones wants to know, who smelled worse after a show, Gene, Paul, or Peter? Oh, forget it. Gene. <laughs> no yeah. hesitation. No yeah. hesitation. His wife, Shannon, you know, I was over his house a couple of times. Her nickname for him was Stinky. <laughs> so, uh, that question's really uh. the answer. He didn't shower as much as the other guys did. <laughs> That's great. I love how you just didn't hesitate with that at all. Uh, Silver, so there's a couple questions that ask about gear. I'll kind of throw these to you at the same time. Silver String Dad asks, what was your equipment chain during the Alive 2 and recording of Love Gun era? And what kind of effects did you have, did you use on Alive 2? And did you have a pedal board on stage? Well, I've never had a pedal board on stage because I trip over them. In fact, I've, I, I've never, I may have used the pedal once, once or twice. Invariably, I trip over it. And, you know, wearing those boots, forget about it. It's like a minefield. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Paul and Gene were great because whenever I fell, they kind of walk over to me and, and do like the Black Diamond thing. Right. You know? Like it was on purpose. Yeah. But that was a problem towards the end of the reunion tour because every time I fell, I, I, I went down on my knees, I was chipping bones. Ooh. And I went to a doctor and he said, look, if you keep doing that, you're gonna end up in a wheelchair. So Ooh. I ended up wearing knee pads and they actually ended up putting some foam under the carpet where I did drop. Uh, and, I didn't, and I didn't drop with both knees exactly. If yeah. you look at some of the footage from the reunion tour, one knee hits first and the second knee hits, mm. you know? And I, you know, you forget, you gotta 
10, 12 pound less Paul, and I used to just drop. And I'd hit, you know, the stage with the, you know, with all my weight plus the weight of a less Paul. So, you know, I was doing damage to my knees. Thank God, you know. Oh, yeah. Okay, now. Well, so like on a live too, when when you hear a little delay on your guitar, you hear flanger kick in. Was that something that your tech was doing off stage, or is that something just added in the mix? My guitar already would do all my effects. You know, he'd right. do the echoplex okay. with, uh, you know, yeah, back with the amp where the amp stacks were, because you know, all all you know towards the you know we had amps. Well, you know, you never see us going over and touching the knobs. Sure. All the real heads were under the stage. Uh, and my, and if any effects I was using, my guitar already would hit on and off. But, you know, they, I only used uh, a digital delay. Yeah. Maybe if maybe I used a, a flanger or a phrasal once or twice. I don't remember. Do you, do you remember which flanger was your go-to flanger in those days? Well, actually, I think it was a phaser, the P90, mm. man, those orange ones by MXR. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I yeah. I used to use one of those. And, I, oh, I remember there was another thing. I used a little blue uh, doubler. It, it was an octave divider. Oh, right. If you, if you listen to some of my solos, and early on in Kiss, I'm using, you know, I'm doing the solo, and then all of a sudden I go down low and you're getting a high note and a low note. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, an octave divider, which I should probably still use again because uh, it sounds great. It just gives another dimension to my guitar solo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but towards, you know, you get lazy. <laughs> have you have you messed around with amp simulators, like fractals and all that, that sort of thing? Uh, you know, my guitar already bought one. You mean that... That round green thing that's supposed to simulate every amp. Yeah, he got me one. He swore by them, but I I could tell the difference immediately. Right. I said, throw that fucking thing away. <laughs> I need two marshals going simultaneously yeah. all the time <laughs> because you know it doesn't. The feedback isn't the same. Now they can try algorithms, you know, but. There's nothing like tubes and, you know, transformers and a real Marshall head. Yeah. And a big, heavy Les Paul in your hands. I mean, these simulators are a lot easier and quicker and you can change your sound. But, you know, my guitar tone pretty much remains the same through the whole show. Yeah. So I, it's, it's not that big a deal for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Jeff Ped asks, myth or legend using a small champ or Harvard in the studio. Is that true? That you would record with, with yeah, small things? Yeah, I have an old Harvard. I have a champ. Uh, they're in the, the, I have another room, which is a, with a set of drums and there's a Marshall and two or three old Fenders. Uh, there's nothing like those old Jensen speakers. You know, and sometimes I power them you know, I disconnect the the speaker and and run the cable through the wall. I connect it to one of my uh, solid state Vox heads, which oh, sounds wow. fucking great. Yeah, and I, you know, I use that. I use this Vox head on uh, the solo for uh, Fire and Water. 
that Paul did the was kind enough to do the lead vocal on with me and one of the Origins records. But uh, live, you know, it's got to be tubes. Right. It's got to be. Yeah. yeah I'm sure. old school. I can't help it, you know? Yeah. That's why we I mean, love you, baby. The lamp was the 50 watt with the 810s. That was your go-to? That was my first Marshall lamp I ever got. And I remember one day in the Bronx, I put it out on the uh, fire escape and started playing. And you could hear it like blocks away. And my mother <laughs> said, are you crazy? Get that amp inside. <laughs> hey, I've got one more question for you. And thank you for sitting here with me today. You've been fantastic. But uh, one question from One Deer Effects, Wonder Effects, uh, wants to know, were you stoked to be mentioned in a Weezer song. I don't understand the question. You know the band Weezer? You know that band Weezer? Oh, Weezer. Yeah. I don't know much about them. Oh, they reference you in one of the songs off their first record. Right. So I'm going to I'm going to take that as a no, you weren't stoked. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty much uh if I'm not writing and recording, I'm touring. If I'm not doing that, I'm working on graphics. Uh, and I don't really pay that much attention to what's going on outside in the real world. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a hermit when I get home. You know, it's like my sanctuary, like in this studio. You know, I built it and designed it, and it's like a spaceship. And uh, I got everything here. I got all my toys. 120 guitars, you know, in the other room, I got 15 acoustics and I just play with them. Great. Yeah. And then, you know, my fiance will come down and sing a little, but you know, I don't really pay that much attention to what's going on in the music business, even though I should, because of who I am, I got to find out who, what my competition is, but I've really never felt that, uh, you know, I think I'm kind of almost in a category of my own. I've outlived so many big lead guitar players. Yeah. I mean, I was really shocked when Eddie passed away. Yeah, That was sure. a blow. Yeah. And I wasn't ready for that. And uh, I don't know who else is who, who else is out there. I mean, Paige is still doing it. I mean, he just did a... a with with my with my favorite drummer Anton Fig, he just did a, a tribute to Link Ray, I think at Wembley. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, but he still plays great, and you know, he looks good. I just wish he would dye his hair. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> gray hair. I mean, I'm not. I never go on stage with gray hair, but you know, to each his own. But I, I love Jimmy Page, and uh, I was friends with Jeff Beck. I met him at the Iridium. Uh, several years ago, and uh, he passed away. I mean, it's like all my heroes are dying. Well, we love that you're uh, that you're still going, buddy, and we just love you and love your music. So, thank you for sitting and doing this with me today, man. I really appreciate it. Chris, it was really my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on the show. And uh, anytime you want me back, I'm here. Awesome. And we got to get you to a Food Fighter show, baby. We're going to do that. We're going to make that happen. I'm going to check your website. and Because I didn't even know my, my stepdaughter is a, a huge fan of you guys. So uh, 
either she'll be there or I'll be there with her. Awesome. And, and Laura, my fiance. Yeah. No. We'll come backstage and say, hey. Absolutely. You're welcome anytime, pal. I'm not done yet. All right, that was Ace Fraley on Shred with Shifty. Don't forget, he's got a new album coming out called 10,000 Volts, and it's fantastic. I've already listened to an advanced copy of it, and you're going to dig it. Lots of, lots of this all over it. Uh, and that's it for this week. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Adios, amigos! Shred with Shifty is created and hosted by me, Chris Shiflett, and produced in partnership with Double Elvis, Volume.com, and Premier Guitar. If you're digging the show, make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button so you get our new episodes when they come out every other week. Shred with Shifty is produced by Jason Shadrick. Our executive producers are Brady Sadler and Jake Brennan for Double Elvis. Engineering support by Matt Tahaney and Matt Bowden. Our video editors are Dan DeStefano and Addison Savan. Special thanks to Chris Peterson, Greg Necron, and the entire Volume.com crew. Adios, amigos.